So it's been about a year since we released the video where I was talking in Walmart to a couple World Mission Society Church of God members. And so uh, I was there with my family that night. I just ran into these guys um, and they were, they were out evangelizing, trying to get people to go to their Bible studies on a Saturday night. And so I stopped and talked to them and we had about an hour and a half uh, long conversation. And so um, I recently uh, listened back through um, our conversation and I noticed that there were a lot of things that I, I wish I would have said. There's some, um, sometimes he would, uh, the main guy that I was talking to, he would bring up some points and, um, and I tried to let him talk a lot. I just, I, one thing I want to strive to do and I encourage people to strive to do in these conversations is that you uh, maintain an attitude of uh, humility and gentleness and respectfulness and love um, toward these people, even when you disagree with them. Um, and so that was kind of my goal. And so a lot of times I would just let him talk a lot. Um, but I think what I realized as I was listening back through it is, is I kind of let him get away, I think, with, with talking too much. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that there are many times where I would ask him point blank a question. He would, he would bring up scriptures and he would present them in a way to try to uh, defend, you know, the idea of mother God or, or uh, the necessity of keeping Sabbath for salvation, something like that. And he would bring that up and I would counter his arguments with scripture. And I would, uh, I would take him to a scripture like Romans 14 um, or something like that and just point blank ask him to uh, what I saw as a contradiction, I asked him to explain um, his perspective on that. And whenever I challenged him in that way, he would never answer. Not, I noticed not one time did he actually answer the challenges that I was bringing to him. He would give his ideas, his thoughts, and, and try to prove Mother God from these uh, an assortment of scriptures. And when I presented a problem with those arguments that he was giving, um, he would he 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 just retreated. He would, he would switch back to something else. He would change the, the subject. He would just jump to another verse, but he would not ever directly address um, the questions I was asking. And uh, so what, what I want to do today um, in this video, um, I want to play back through parts of this conversation um, and, and um, what I, again, what I realized too in the conversation is that sometimes he would say certain things and I was just kind of kicking myself as I listened back through it, realizing I could have given such a, uh, a much better answer at certain moments that there were um, uh, much better ways to answer some of the, the, the arguments he was giving um, from a biblical point of view. And so, so I want to play back today, I want to play back through some of this conversation. I won't play through the whole thing because again, it was like an hour, an hour and a half conversation or so. And so I want to play back through some, some of the main points. I want to just let you guys listen to back through some of this conversation. And then what I, I want to do is, is pause it at certain moments and kind of give a commentary and give uh, uh, a different way that uh, you could respond to some of the arguments he's giving. And at certain points, when I feel like I didn't give the best answer I could have, I want to explain, looking back now, a year later after that conversation, how I would respond now and how I would encourage you guys. Um, I know many of you are um, commenting on, on this video in particular, saying that you're running into these guys in a Walmart or, or in a store or something like that. And um, even within my community, uh, many people are coming to me now on a regular basis and, and saying that they're running into these guys in the store. Um, uh, particularly, I think, uh, on Saturdays when they're, they're out evangelizing and they're trying to get people to come into their uh, Bible studies. And so, I hope in this video to play back through some of this conversation so you can hear again some of the ways that they're, they, they argue and try to defend their doctrine about Mother God and then give um, you some tips and some direction about uh, how you can answer some of these arguments and good, good things that you can pull from the Bible to counter what they're saying. Um, and so uh, before we jump into that, I want to remind people, uh, it, it helps us a lot if you're, if you're watching these, if you're benefiting from these, um, please uh, like them and, and um, subscribe to the channel. That's, that's kind of the biggest thing for us at this point is we're pretty small. We're just, um, we're just doing what we feel um, 
uh, God has kind of put in front of us with with creating this content. Um, if you look around the internet, there's a few there's a few groups that are dealing with the World Mission Society, Church of God, and providing answers to them and providing information about um, how we can respond biblically to their claims and their arguments. But um, on YouTube in particular, there's there's not a whole lot of material. Um, if you if you search for other you know apologetic topics like like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses or or things like that, there's just so much information and so many videos of, of, of all sorts of different people who have covered those groups. And so we feel that there's sort of a lack right now of, of giving just a thorough in-depth reply to, to this group and their doctrines. And that's kind of what we want to do is, is not only with this video, but with future videos to continue to answer the questions. Um, I know we've given, we've made uh, several videos already uh, dealing with this group. And um, we, we recently, me and Jesse made a couple videos that just kind of gave, gave some simple, uh, clear, uh, uh, yeah, just simple arguments you can give um, that that are focused and centered around the person of Jesus. I, I think those are that's really you know that should be the core of any reply we're giving to these guys. It should focus in on the simplicity of who Jesus is, the revelation of who He is, and what that means then about their doctrine and how it it the truth about Jesus shines light and, and uh, into the darkness of. Uh, the World Mission Society Church of God doctrine. And when you see for uh, for yourself, when you see clearly um, who the Bible says Jesus is, that then gives light about uh, uh, who Mother God is or who she's not and, and why that doctrine cannot be true. Um, and so so I say all that to say that we, we want to keep making these videos. Um, uh, we're doing it not to not to attack again. We say this in almost every video, but we we just can't really stress it enough. We love these people, whether you're in the group, whether you're halfway in and you're thinking about getting out, whether you're one of those who have been confronted by these guys and you're considering joining. Wherever you're at, our heart is is love and a desire for you to know Jesus, to know the truth about who God is, to know the truth about what the Bible says. Um, because these guys are saying one thing, they're trying to lead you in one direction, saying that this Bible teaches you to go a certain direction in pursuing salvation and relationship with God. We believe that the direction they're trying to send you is wrong um, and, and that there's a much simpler uh, and, and true way that gives true freedom and true peace, true righteousness. Uh, and so our hope, again, we want to continue to make videos to answer the objections thoroughly. We, we want to, um, uh, yeah, we, we even, we have people right now sending us, I think it's called the Green Book. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. It's, um, I'd have to look at the title, but it's something about the Staff of Moses. But we're, multiple people who I'm going to leave unnamed are sending us uh, photocopies of this entire book. Um, it's a book that is basically their apologetic book. It's it's one of one of their apologetic books where they take what is in their mind the Christian arguments against their doctrines, and then they they explain why those arguments are false. So basically, it's their apologetic book. What we want to do in the future is sit down and take each of those arguments one by one and make a video covering each of those arguments and explaining why those arguments in, in their book do not hold water. They, they don't hold up under scrutiny um, biblically. And so, so all that say, that's a long-winded way of, of asking you to please uh, help us out by subscribing. That And that what as that's happening, as you're commenting, as you're sharing your thoughts on the video, as you're asking questions, as you're telling us how these videos are impacting you, it really helps, uh, not only encourages us to know that, man, this is benefiting people, um, but it, it helps motivate us to continue to make these videos and to know kind of what direction we need to go to help you guys out and to answer the questions that you want answered. So, Having said that, what I want to do is I'm going to jump into this this discussion uh, that that we had. I'm going to play the audio. We're just going to listen through, and then um, occasionally I'm going to pause it. Um, I'm going to pause it, and we're going to talk about certain things that were said. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. Jehovah, and then nobody knows Jesus until when. 
What is it right there? Nobody had the revelation, right? Nobody had the revelation of God's son, who he was. But you see, according with the Bible, they start, Jesus start from Matthew, from the New Testament. Right. And then, in the last minute, that's why, who's going to give you eternal life in the last days, according with your question? Uh-huh. Right. Is this. The last salvation is in this. The spirit and the bride said, come. And let the one who hears it come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And mm -hmm. let the one who wishes take the free gift of water of life. Mm -hmm. So that means water of life represents salvation or eternal life. It's right. the same meaning, right? But according with the Bible, they said the spirit and what else? The bride. Okay. Right. So now, who is the spirit and who is the bride? God is three in one, like we said, right? Father, son, and what else? Right. Well, Holy Spirit. So yeah. my, my interpretation of this is that the bride is a reference to God's people or his, the church would be. Okay. So what you see here, this is, this is an argument that they, uh, one of their most popular arguments. This is, this is one of their foundational uh, things that they teach about, that they argue from in the Bible. And it's Revelation twenty two seventeen, And this is one of the first things he brought up. Um, and so what, what it says, uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen, 17, uh, the spirit and the bride say, come, let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes uh, take the free gift of the water of life. So their argument in, in essence is that you have the spirit here and the bride saying, come, come to the water, come to everlasting life. What, what they believe this is communicating is that um, it's saying, come to them. So, so like the bride is saying, come to me for eternal life, come to me to get the water of life. So the problem is that that's not, that's not what's happening here in this verse. The spirit and the bride um, are saying, come to, to the lost world. They're saying, uh, come and get salvation. It's an invitation to, uh, from the bride. The bride is, is giving an invitation saying, come not to, the bride itself saying is the bride's not saying come to me for for the water of life the bride is saying come to jesus um jesus sent sent us out as his disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel and what is the message that was given to the disciples that was given to the church to proclaim to the nations the message is a message of come come and, and receive freely the gift of eternal life. Now, the fact that the messenger is coming is going out and saying, come, come get eternal life, that doesn't mean that the messenger, the bride, is, is the one who is giving the eternal life or, or offering it. Just because uh, Paul and Peter and James and John, they went out and proclaimed to, to Jerusalem and to, then to the Gentiles, they said, come, come to Jesus, come, uh, uh, come, and, come and see, you know, people even in the, in the gospels where Jesus would heal somebody and people would say, come and see um, what, what he's done and, and who he is. And so that is, what, that is what's going on here. That's what the bride is saying. The bride clearly, if you look at the testimony of the Bible, is not mother God. There's just, um, uh, that, that's just, there's no reason, there's no reason to go there. Um, the bride consistently throughout both Old and New Testament, we see this theme that the bride is the people of God. It's God's people. It's God's called out ones. Those who, who God has called out from, from the world into his kingdom, those who are in a relationship with him by faith, those are the ones who he marries himself to. Um, and so as an example of this, uh, what I want to show you real quick uh, is one, one verse you obviously know is 2 Corinthians 11.2, where Paul says to the church, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Okay, so we see here Paul is referencing the church and, and giving this uh, 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 statement that the church is uh, Christ's uh, bride, that they're going to be married. So obviously, and, and they bring it up, Ephesians talks about that too, that that 
the husband and wife relationship between human beings is a it's a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. Um, but let's go back to the Old Testament and, and see this, this same theme happening. Um, Hosea 2.19, uh, God says to Israel, I will betroth you to me forever. Okay, this is that's super important right there already. I will betroth you to me. I will I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. Um, if you look at the New Living Translation, it says, "I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness, justice, unfailing love, and compassion." So God is saying to Israel. God is saying to His people, human beings who uh, respond to Him in faith is is a very simple way uh, you could put this. God is saying to them, I will make you my wife forever. Okay, um, let's, look at, uh, let's look at another one. If you look over here, actually, at the cross-references, you see this is all over the Bible. So look at Isaiah 54, 5. It says, for your husband, your husband is your maker. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called, called the God of the whole earth. Um, and then in verse 6 of Isaiah 54, For the Lord has called you back like a wife deserted and wounded in spirit, the wife of one's youth when she is rejected. Um, and so you see in Isaiah, you see in Hosea, you see throughout the Old Testament that, that God references his people, Israel, his nation, and now the church is, is uh, true Israel. Um, they are the ones who he will marry himself to. Not only will he marry himself to them, but it, but it says, as we just read, that he will betroth himself, he will marry them forever. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a marriage that's going to end. So think about this. What's significant about that is not only does that give us, give us insight about who the bride is in Revelation 22, but also when you think about that, if it's true what the World Mission Society Church of God teaches, that God is uh, ultimately God the Father is going to marry God the Mother, well, there's multiple things that are wrong about that. First off, there's, there's no evidence that we, we can find in the Bible from other gods. So that's a problem, obviously. Secondly, um, what I want to talk about here is that if we see God all throughout the Old and New Testament saying he's going to marry his people, that his church is his, his bride, that Israel is his wife, and then he's also going to marry Mother God, does that make God then a polygamist? Is God going to have multiple wives? Um, if not, that would have to mean that God is going to divorce us, his people. Is he somehow going to marry us and then divorce us so that he can then marry Mother God? How is that going to work? How is God going to have multiple wives at once. Because if if what we see in um, Isaiah or, or Hosea, we see God saying, I'm going to betroth you, I'm going to marry you forever. Well, that means God is going to have an unending uh, husband and wife type relationship with his people. If that's the case, then that presents a huge problem for the concept that the World Mission Society Church of God teaches that God is going to marry, God the Father will marry Mother God. That would make God either have to be somebody who divorces us or he's a polygamist and he has multiple wives at once, which I think we know cannot possibly be the case. The Spirit and the bride said, Come, and let the one who hears said, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of water of life. Mm -hmm. So that's mean. What a life represents salvation or eternal life. It's the right. same meaning, right? But according with the Bible, they said the spirit and what else? The bride. Okay. Right. So now, who is the spirit and who is the bride? Right. Well, Holy Spirit. So yeah. my, my interpretation of this is that the bride is a reference to God's people or his the church would be would be God's God's people who are following him who by the power of the spirit and the, the changed heart that the spirit gives them are yearning and crying out for Jesus to come right that Paul says that anybody who uh, long talks about people who long for the appearing of Jesus okay. uh, that they'll be given the, the crown of righteousness I think but it's it's so my interpretation of yeah. that would be that that's that's a reference to the spirit sure. in the in the people of God say come right mm. come Jesus okay. and come and also an invitation to the law saying 
come come to the waters you of believe 100 in the bible right right okay so let's find out in the last minute who is the bride okay it said one of the seven angels who had the seven bowl for the seven last plagues came and said to me come i will show you the bride the wife of the lamb yep who is the lamb uh, Jesus. Yes. So that mean, by the way, I'm not. I'm trying to find a verse. I'm listening. Oh, I'm just trying okay, to find. Okay. I'm listening. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, okay. I just don't want you to think I'm okay. ignoring you. <laughs> so that means the wife of the lamb represent who is the wife of the lamb or the bride of the lamb. It said, and he carried me away in the spirit yeah. to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy yep. city Jerusalem yep. coming down out of the heaven from God. Yep. So that means the new Jerusalem is what. The bride of the Lamb. Right. Right? But according with the Bible, who is the New Jerusalem? Who is she? That's it. Okay, so here we go. We see him referencing Revelation where it says God's bride, the new the New Jerusalem will come out of heaven. So we see this this analogy, this picture, this symbolism of, of God's bride being a city. So again, they're, they're trying to argue that that's Mother God. And, and what, what he's going to do is he's going to jump to Galatians to argue for that, um, which is just a bad, a bad place to go, but we'll get there in a minute. So he, he uses this, illust this, this verse in Revelation that talks about the city, Jerusalem, and that's uh, compared or, or, or symbolic of, uh, of Jesus' bride, the, the bride who will marry the Lamb. So... If you go to places like Ephesians 2.20, we see, um, we, we, we can understand who uh, this, this city, this new Jerusalem is. They say it's Mother God. If you look at the testimony of the Bible, I think it's very clear that it's God. Again, it's God's people. It's the people of God who are represented here as a city. So uh, if you go to Ephesians 2.20, um, Paul says, Therefore you, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole body building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Um, and so here we see in Ephesians, uh, God's people are compared to a, a building or, or something that is constructed, something that has a foundation. Um, and you see similar language like that in Revelation when it's describing this new Jerusalem, this city. Um, the interesting thing is here, uh, Paul says, you know, that we as God's people, members of God's household, we've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets um, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So um, this building is actually made up of the foundation, symbolically, is apostles and prophets. Um, and then yeah, it, it kind of reminds you of Revelation where, where I think it's the, you know, the 12 gates of the city have the, the apostles' names and the, you know, the 12 tribes. I can't remember exactly how that goes. But you see that same symbolism where I think it becomes clear as you look in the, the testimony of the Bible that, that this city um, is a representation, a symbolic of God's people. You see all, all throughout the Old Testament and, and the New, you see this comparison where, you know, even in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Paul says uh, that we are, we are God's field, we are God's building. Um, and, uh, and so, so I just think it's unnecessary. And, the, and again, there's just no reason to assume that this, this city that, that's being symbolized here uh, uh, as a city, which is, is Jesus's bride, that that is Mother God. There's no reason to go there. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. Mm -hmm. So here, so where you're going with this, but let me, let me challenge you on this because the book of Galatians is all about salvation by faith versus salvation by works, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul's whole point, he says up here, um, he says these things are to be taken figuratively, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. The woman, the woman here, right, mm -hmm. represents two, two covenants. covenants. Yes. One covenant is from Mount Sinai, uh, yes. is Hagar. Uh, the other is the corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. Yes. So, so the Jerusalem that is above, that is free, and so, so I know what you're you're getting at here, which mm -hmm. which I understand where you're coming from is right. that this is Mother God, mm -hmm. but what what I see Paul clearly saying is that no, he's just saying Hagar represents the covenant of the law. 
and the heavenly Jerusalem represents is a figure. It's to be taken figuratively, right? It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, sim, it's a symbolic. It's, it's symbolic yes. of the the covenant of faith, right? Of the covenant of grace, and. So, Okay, so he brought up Galatians, what we're talking about there, Galatians 4, where he, he brings up um, the Jerusalem above. That's Galatians 4, 26. It says the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. So this is another one of their, like the handful of like the, the, the primary, well, really the only scriptures that they use to try to support this idea that there's a, a mother God who we must believe in to be saved. Um, this this scripture is just I, like honestly not not to be rude or mean. Um, it's just it's just the way it is. It's just this is just such a bad argument that they give. This this chapter the context of it is just so clear that it's not talking about Mother God, and, and it's it it truly just becomes somewhat ridiculous to to try to argue that from this passage. Um, and so what I'm doing in, in this conversation that you can hear, um, I, I try to have him actually stay within the context of this chapter and not just jump to verse 26 and say, oh, look, it's, uh, it's talking about a mother. Who's that mother? Well, it must be, you know, it must be Mother God. Um, uh, rather than, than just jumping to that verse, I tried to go back to verse 24. Um, which kind of sets some context for what we're reading. So in verse 24 of Galatians 4, uh, Paul says, These things serve as illustrations for the women represent two covenants. So right here, Paul is telling us, we don't even have to try to guess what the mother is, like what that means. Is this, a, is this another God? Is this, uh, what, what does this mean? Paul has just told us what, it, what he means by this, by, by, by bringing this up. Um, the Jerusalem above, uh, or Hagar here, Hagar, uh, he says, stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to present-day Jerusalem. So uh, the women, Hagar and, and Sarah, or the new Jerusalem, are representatives of the two covenants, the covenant of law and this new covenant in Christ of, of, of grace and freedom and truth. And, um, and so when he says the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother um, what he's saying there is not that there's another god you know there's god the father and god the mother and you must put your faith in god the mother that's that is just such a terrible interpretation of this passage that that it's it's almost strange that anybody would even have to offer a reply to it again i don't say that to try to be mean i'm just i just want you to understand you, you've got to use your heads when you're when you're looking at the bible and and read it objectively and and when you do that and you stay in the context uh you'll see how um how really weak their their arguments are and they just don't hold water um and so also what i think you can hear in the conversation at some point i bring up the fact that the whole context of the book of galatians it's it's about Paul trying to get believers, these believers in Galatia who are being tempted and pushed toward compromising the true gospel. They're, they're being pushed to become circumcised as a, uh, as a way in which they're trying to earn for themselves salvation and righteousness and, and to maintain by their own efforts their relationship with God. What that is, is that, that, that is the definition of Hagar to try to work and perform uh, before God, to try to, to effort and strive in order to um, attain righteousness as the Galatians were go being tempted to do, to do that is to operate under this old covenant, this Hagar covenant, the Mount Sinai. Um, and so uh, to do the opposite, to just come to God by faith and receive receive salvation, receive righteousness, receive his, his love and acceptance of us on the basis of faith, just accepting his promises. You know, even when, even when it doesn't make sense, when it seems like by all means, God should not accept me, what, what Paul is trying to get the believers in Galatia to do is just come to God by faith and accept the free gift of righteousness that has been given in Jesus. And to do that is to operate under this Jerusalem, the Jerusalem above, which is free, 
So, so to operate by simple faith in Jesus as our means of attaining righteousness, what that does is it produces freedom. To operate under that it, um, is, is the way that we've been, we've been called to that. We've been called to, to not live as if Hagar is our mother, Hagar, who, who's the slave woman. If we're operating as slaves, what we're doing is we're submitting almost to our mother, Hagar, um, this old covenant. Paul is trying to get them to submit to their new mother, which is this new covenant of freedom and faith and grace. And so these things, as Paul says, serve as illustrations. Um, <clears throat> and actually, let me look at, if we pull up another translation, he says these things are to be taken figuratively. Uh, the ESV says these, the, now this may be interpreted allegorically. Um, so, um, so clearly, Paul is telling us what the New Jerusalem Sarah and what Hagar represent. And, and what is not being explained here in Galatians, what, what Paul's not trying to argue for is Mother God. It's just, it, that's not the case. They represent, they're illustrations of two covenants. This isn't a literal thing where there's a literal mother that Paul's trying to argue for. He says it clearly, it's an allegory. Um, it's an illustration, it's figurative. Um, and so there's just no reason to take it as anything more than that. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Yep. Who is the lamb? Okay, so there's something I forgot at around the 318 mark. I'm going to listen to this. He says something that I wanted to comment on. All right. Right. Okay. So let's find out in the last minute who is the bride. Okay. It said, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowl for the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Yep. Who is the lamb? Uh, Jesus. Yes. So that was, by the way, I'm not ignorant. Okay. Who is the lamb? Jesus. And he said, yes. Okay, so who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is what? The son of God. He's, Jesus is the son of the father. Jesus is the lamb. And here, what this guy's trying to argue for is that mother God, God the mother, is going to marry the lamb. Well, what does that mean then? That means that God the mother is in marrying God the son. So mother God is going to marry her son. Um, that, that's something that they don't see, but that's a big problem. Jump back in here. It's impossible that a mother can support like seven billion people. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Not, not even, not nobody yeah. on this earth. That's why you see, according with the Bible, <clears throat> From the creation of the world, yep. God let us know this. Look. Mm -hmm. Then God said, let us mm -hmm. make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Mm -hmm. So this is a plural or singular? What is it? It's, it's plural. Okay. But can you turn here? So he says, let, right, let us make mankind mm -hmm. in our image, in, in our likeness. Our likeness. Yes. Plural, right? Mm -hmm. And so it says, in the image of God, he, right, singular created them, male and female, he, singular created okay. them. And so again, I would say, say all I see here is another uh, a pointer to a Trinitarian understanding of God. The that, question for you is this, who was made by God? Who, who was the first one? Adam was. And who, what else? Adam and Eve, right, were both made by God. Right here said, right? Uh-huh. So that means Adam is the image of who? Male. The image of God, right? Father. But Eve is the image of who? Well, that's. I think there's two answers to that, because here he's saying in the image of God, he created them, right? And so both Adam and Eve were both created in yes. the image of God, Yes. right? But also... But also, uh, yeah, so. You see, God always tried to tell us from the beginning. Yeah. According to the Bible, he counted with somebody else all the time. Let us. Hey, let us. Okay, so he's focusing in on this word, us. So we obviously nobody disagrees that there's some plurality going on here when God is talking about the creation of man. 
what I kept trying to point him to in this conversation, and, and this is one of the things that I wish I would have pressed more, and, and actually, um, this is one of the things where when I would bring this up to him, I would challenge him with this when he would try to make this, this argument. Um, you see, I think mostly throughout the rest of the conversation, we, we go back and forth um, into this topic, but I tried to get him to look at this word, image. So, so it does say, let us make man, in our image, so us and our—that's that's plural, plural uh, words there. But but when he uses this word image, that's that's a singular word. It's a single image. There's only one image, and uh, which which is being um, which man is being created after in, in in the likeness of. There's only one image, and that's something that he just could he he never acknowledged. And, and actually at points he directly contradicted later in the conversation. So yes, there is a plurality here. And what, what we would argue is that uh, probably what right now I would lean mostly toward is that this is God the Father speaking with God the Son um, saying uh, in, in this context of creation. But it's one image. There's only one God. There's one single God. There's not, there's not a God the Father and God the Mother, two different images um, and, and man was made after this, this image of the father, woman was made after the image of the, the mother God. You don't see that at all because here the word is clearly one, it's single. And so they, they make so much emphasis on this, this, the plurality of this word us and our, but then they completely ignore the singular uh, sense you, uh, that's, that's being used uh, in this, this word image. And uh, and that's that's just a problem. Yeah, he yeah. said myself. Yep. Why? Because according with the Bible, it's two images, mm -hmm. not one. Okay. Did you hear that? According to the Bible, he says it's two images, not one. Do you see how he's just saying that? But the Bible never says that. Let's just look. Let's look here at Genesis one twenty six. Let us make man in our what image, not images. Not in, let us make man in both of our images. It's image, one. After our likeness, single, not likenesses, not, not after both of our likenesses, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, uh, cut down, uh, jump down to verse 27. So it says, so God created man in his own image, single again, not images, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So this is something where he just, you heard him here in this video clearly say that that it's images, it's multiple. And when he does that, he's, he's just clearly left the testimony of the Bible. He's no longer using the Bible because the Bible doesn't say that. He's actually in direct contradiction to the Bible. So he's trying to make this argument for Mother God, but in doing so, he's twisting uh, the scripture and he's not being faithful to what the text actually says. Think about it. If it's only one father, God is so, Sorry, I'm sorry. You said two Im images. Mm -hmm. Two images. But I don't ever see two images here. I just see, I just see one image, right? Let us make man in our image. And then in the image of God, he created them. So there's one God creating. How many images? Okay, so did you hear that? I brought up the point that not only is it the single usage of the word image, it's not multiple images. That's just clear. Every time the word image is used, it's, it's single. But also it says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So was it that, why, why wouldn't it say they? It's, it's no longer they or... More accurately, if the World Mission Society Church of God doctrine is true, and both God the Father and God the Mother in together created mankind, then this should say in the image of God, they created him or he and she created him. Um, also in verse 27, it, should, it shouldn't say, so God created man in his own image. It should say God created uh, man in their own image. Um, and then again, so again, three times, it's his own image. He created him, male and female, he created them. So think about this, right here, he makes an effort to, to make sure that we know that this God who's being described here, this being of God who's described, who is doing this creating of man, first off, it's he, there's only one God, it's single. 
Secondly, it, it's he, you know, he and his. It's, it's only masculine terminology is used to describe this God. Never in Genesis and never throughout the rest of the Bible is there ever a case where there's female terminology used to describe God or, or attributed to God. God is always described in masculine terms. Um, and that doesn't mean that God is a, a man like us. Uh, I think that's just words used to help us uh, that we can sort of relate to. And, um, but but, but the, the important thing is that here in verse 27, which they, you know, they try to use this to, to prove mother God, but actually this, this scripture here, these two verses, that is the, one of their foundational scriptures they go to to try to prove Mother God. It actually is is one of the best places to go to to, to prove that Mother God is not in existence, that she's not in the Bible, and that she was not involved in creation. Um, if she was, then whoever wrote this uh, part in Genesis seemed to uh, have gone to great pain to make sure that 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 Mother God is not mentioned and ignored and hidden. Um, uh, and so that, that's not the case. So there is no, there's no mother God. She's not here. Um, it's only he, God is a he, he's single, and he's described in masculine terms. Um, and as you can hear in this conversation, as I bring these things up, he doesn't respond to it. Um, so let's just kind of listen to how this goes. Okay, uh, look around. How many MS do you see around in the world? How many? Only one? Only males? How many? I see one image. You know, I see the human being, the human, humankind is, is, is made in the image of God. That's why. Right? That's why he made the first one. Right. Yeah. Because that's an example for us. Yeah. Like, look, look. Yeah. That, that represents two images. One is male and the other one is female. That's why, look at this. Did he look just, I think he just used the word images again. Let me back up a little bit. Right. That's why he made the first one. Right. Yeah. Because that's an example for us. Yeah. Like, look, look. Yeah. That, that represent two images. One is. Yeah. So he did. He he again. He said two images. Again, he's making an argument, and what he the his basis for the argument he's making is uh, coming from something that's not even in the Bible. He's trying to make an argument. Uh, as if the Bible supports him, but the Bible's actually saying the the opposite of what he's he's saying and, and saying that the Bible says. And the other one is female. That's why look at this. Look at this. Do you know this, right? So I, I see what you're saying, but again I would say I don't see I don't see two images there. Like I just I mean I'm like I just have to disagree with you on that point because I don't ever see him saying let's create create man in, in two different images, but he says, let's create him in our image. And then he, right, singular, there's a singular creator, a singular God creating, and he, he creates them in his own image. So in the image of one God, they're mm -hmm. created. So there's one image of one God. So so I just can't see, I, I see what you're saying, yeah, but I, I guess I'm just not one. tracking with doesn't that. doesn't mean one. That's why does what right. is, this yes. is. Okay, and so we agree. Yeah, let us, it isn't one. Um, God, like Colossians, it says that all things, all of creation was made through Jesus. Colossians 1 says all things were made through him and for him. And so, yeah, it, it wasn't both the Father, I believe both the Father and Christ Jesus were involved in creation. And so I have no problem. He keeps going, you know, he kept going back to that idea that, that Genesis says us, uh, let us make man in our image. And so, you know, there's, there's no problem with that. We agree with that. There is a, uh, a plurality going on there. We just believe that it's what the rest of the Bible testifies to, that it was, it was God, it was, it was Christ uh, uh, along with the Father. It was them who, who were involved in the creation of the world. Jesus created all things, uh, or God created all things through Christ. Um, let me actually pull that up um, so we can just see that. Yeah, so um, John John one three says it too. Maybe I was getting getting those mixed up. So it says he Jesus was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And so, um, however we interpret that, what we what that means, uh, what what we can know from that is that 
God the Father created all things through Jesus. And so that is, I think, uh, a very good and plausible explanation of what's going on there when we see the words us and our, this plurality going on in Genesis 1. And so as he continues to argue for this, I'm just saying that to say like it doesn't, that his argument doesn't really mean anything. Uh, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't hold water. So God created right. mankind in his own image. Right. Image so let God. me ask you this. He, is that singular or plural? It's, it's, it's plural. When it says he there, that's meaning. So there's two he's? Look. Yeah, see, that's why listening, listening back through this conversation is through this conversation it's painful and and i i know this this guy like i um i really did have a heart and still do a heart for this guy i know he was you know he believes this he's doing he was doing his best to argue for what he believed was true um but it's just it it doesn't change the fact that this is wrong um and, and you hear him you know here like even going to the point where where he's he's arguing and focusing so much on the plurality of the words us uh, an hour, but then when I point blank said, well, you know, look at verse 27, where it says in the image of God, he created him. This word he obviously is single, it's single masculine. And I asked him, is it single or plural? And he said, it's plural. And, and so he wasn't really thinking uh, uh, objectively about about the things I was asking him. He was more just trying to get his point across is kind of what I started to learn. He wasn't so much interested in hearing the the actual questions I had and the actual problems that I was get, providing uh, uh, with the things that he was saying. He wasn't really interested in hearing those issues out that I had and trying to offer like a reasonable uh, answer for me. Um, rather, he just kind of passed passed by and, and, and didn't really give a good answer and then would even say things like he, single, is plural, um, which was just, it just kind of showed that um, there wasn't a really solid argument that he was uh, able to give. You see, okay, let me explain you this. When God create Autumn first, uh -huh. right? You know that, right? Right. And take some what? Rib. Yeah. Okay. That's why the Bible said that because me and you and, and the, the ladies or the females, mm -hmm. they're coming from the same body. It's the same body. That's why he said right here in his own image. That's image, single. In his own image. But later on, so what the Bible said about that? When you get married with your lady, what the Bible said about, about To become it? one, right? Right here, that, mm -hmm. right there. It's very simple. But in two images, your wife is the image of female, and you are the image of male. But it's two or one. Two, right. So again, his argument is just faulty. Um, he's he's trying to he's trying to prove you know since there's there's a male, there's there's a male uh, human being and you know, human beings and there's female human beings. And, and so that proves that there's two images, which means there must be two images of God. And, and it's just, that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense because, the, uh, plainly the Bible says there's one image and it, it never says that, that there was a female image of God where, uh, which Eve was created in. And there's a male image of God that Adam was created in. He keeps trying to argue that, and that's what he keeps going to over and over, but he's just not, he's, he has nothing to back it up with. The World Mission Society, Church of God, has no way to back up that argument. It's, it's basically just, they're just saying it. They're just saying, this is what it is, and just believe it's true. And they try to pretend like they're using the Bible, but they're really, they're just totally mishandling it. Because what we see in Genesis 1.27 is that there's a single image of God, and in it was in that image that both Adam and Eve were created. And I think what that means is that the human race consists of both male and female. And it's the, and I think even you could go in this direction that in some way it, it uh, it's both the female and the male aspects of humanity that, that together uh, 
they they are that image. They they represent that image of God. They, you know, females and males have such different, uh, you know, uh, not personalities, but just characteristics, and, and they're just so different um, in so many ways. And so, bringing both of those things together, uh, you know, you could say like the tenderness, the the gentleness, the 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 kindness of of a mother uh, versus the strength and the the confidence and the bravery, you know. Of a man, and both obviously those both crisscross um, in in both genders, but but I believe it's that that basic uh, understanding and that that you know that both male and female those characteristics coming together, I think they make that representation of the image of God, and they tell us something. They speak to who God is, and, and that God consists of who God is consists of both like that, that nurturing, loving, uh, the characteristic that's often attributed to women and mothers, you know, grandmothers, that, that gentleness. And, and, uh, and then the, the God also is that, uh, strong and powerful and, and the, the, the leadership aspect of, of what often is attributed to like male figures. Um, and so I think it's, uh, there's one. There's only one image. There's only one image of God that that the Bible s- says that humankind was created in. And so, um, you know, he he keeps kind of trying to argue this, but um, really, unless he could take me in Genesis one and show me a place where uh, the word image actually says images unless he can show me that in the Bible, unless the World Mission Society, Church of God can point us to a place in Genesis 1 where it says, in the images of God, uh, he and she created humankind. Unless they can do that, they really have no argument. The basis of, of this whole argument, trying to use Genesis 1 to prove the existence of Mother God, is just, it's demolished. It, it can't it can't hold water. There's no grounds for it to even get off the ground um, there, uh, because... Uh, yeah, it's just the word is image. It's single. And so um, I think, you know, we can say that, but but even more importantly to that, we can kind of go back to this, this concept that we see all throughout the New Testament that, um, and goes back to the, the past videos we just made, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Uh, Ephesians 1 says that we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So think about this. If we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, that means that there's nothing, even even if, say, Mother God existed, we don't need her. We, we don't even need anything from her because Paul says that every spiritual blessing, anything you can possibly need that is spiritual, we already have in Christ. So Mother can't give us anything that we don't already have. Now, again, Mother... God doesn't exist. There's no evidence biblically that she exists. Um, but uh, you can see even from from that that way of arguing that you know places like Ephesians one and Colossians two that says that we are complete in Christ. That Jesus, when you understand who He is, leaves us uh, with no need for there to be a mother God. With, with um, where he, we have everything we need in Jesus, we're complete in him. And so not only are there arguments here that they're giving faulty, but if you take it further into, you know, you, you start d- diving into who Jesus is, that also shows us that not only do they have no arguments, but even if they did somehow come up with an argument that Mother God existed, we can clearly see that the Bible says we don't even need her. Um, now again, there is no Mother God. So I just <laughs> wanted to say that. Um, and so, Let's just jump back in here. We won't go too much longer. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. About, about to become one, right? Right here. That, mm-hmm. Right there. It's very simple. Put in two images. Your wife is the image of female, and you are the image of male, but it's two or one? Two, right. According to the Bible, Wait, said, what? Oh, the two become one, right. Right. It's the same thing right now. Yep. Right now, the Bible's playing us that God the Mother and God the Father is two images, both at the same time. Again, no, the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the Bible never says, one, that there's a mother and a father. You only ever see a father. You only ever see uh, male uh, attributes given to God. And there's only one image. So again, he's, he's just kind of saying things that have no basis in the Bible.
there are only one. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tracking. So we would, like, I would say the same thing where we have, I mean, not the same thing. It'd be different. Where we have God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, who were three Son? separate Jesus, hmm? God the Son, Jesus. Hmm? So three separate persons, right? But they're all one being. There's all there's one being. There's one God, right? Because that's made clear over and over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. There's one sure. God. Yes. And so, so in a sense, there's a similarity between what we're saying. My only challenge, my challenge again would be, I don't. I, I guess I'm just not seeing. I'm not seeing biblical evidence. I'm a Bible guy. I love the Bible. That's just who I am. And I, I just really, really struggle to see any reason to really believe in a mother God. Like I, I understand the logic of the argument you're presenting look, but I don't see the I, I don't look this this prophecy you yep, will yep, be see what, what the Bible yep. talking about okay just just to kind of summarize so far he's gone to Revelation, he started out in Revelation where he brought up the, the spirit and the bride who say, come. We've already established that that's not Mother God. It's just a, a, a bad interpretation of that passage to say that the bride is Mother God saying, come. Because the bride is not saying, come to herself to get eternal life. It's just the bride, God's people saying, come, come to Jesus. Come to him to get eternal life. It's a call. It's a call. Uh, uh, a giving out of the gospel to the lost world saying, come and get, get life. Um, and, and then also he goes to Galatians, he goes to Galatians and, and he brought up, uh, the, the Jerusalem above, which is our mother. We, we showed again, that's probably one of the weakest passages that they consistently use because Paul tells us, he tells us just verses before that, the Jerusalem above is not a God. It's not a separate God. It's not a mother God, but it's an illustration. It's an allegory. And so we, we see that both the Revelation verse and the Galatian verses that he used, uh, don't they don't stand to actual, like if you actually look and observe and think about what he's saying and look at it biblically, just the arguments don't stand. Um, and then again, he brought up Genesis 1, which we just covered that Genesis 1, that there's, you know, us and our, there's multiple, there's a, there's a, a plurality there involved in the creation of mankind. Again, we agree with that. That's true, but there's only one image. Okay, so I kept I kept saying that to him over and over, and as you continue to hear, he never uh, replies to that. So we're going to finish up in just a minute. I just want to hear some of these last things that he says. Yeah, I said I saw the holy city, right, the new Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, <laughs> prepared what? Yep, the bride they're talking about right here, right? And the Bible said that uh, our mother. They came in down out of the heaven from God. Right. And look what they said. Coming down out of the heaven from God, prepare us a bride, beautiful, <coughs> as dressed for what? Her husband. So, and, so let me let me say this here is that there's multiple references. Here, here's a good one. Ephesians two twenty. It talks about uh, the believers that you're, you're no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. First um, uh, Corinthians. Uh, chapter three, I believe, talks about how the believers are God's building, they're God's field. Uh, uh, Hebrews talks about it, it references believers as being uh, God's building. And so, so again, I would see that the culmination of the teaching of the scriptures, and we see these clear verses um, when we connect. How long ago was this? Do you know how long ago? How long ago what? It was this writing written. I don't know exactly when Ephesians was written, okay. but but before uh, 100 AD. You see, that's why, according with the prophecies, mm -hmm. is in every age is a savior. Okay, so here he goes another track, and we're not going to get into that until the next video. So he he starts to go the direction, and I'm excited to talk about that in the next video. He starts to go the direction of talking about the different ages. You know that there's uh, the Old Testament. There is the age in which we, God had a certain name and we could only be saved through that name in that age. And then there's the age of Jesus uh, and we could only be saved through the name of Jesus in, in that age. And now we're in the age of ultimately what, what uh, I don't believe he ever says it flat out in this conversation, but what they teach ultimately is that it's the age of Ong Song Hong, that, that it's, he, he's, uh, he's Christ who's come uh, back again. And and uh, that it's only through his name that uh, we can be saved. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it there um, for today. And, and we'll, we'll, 
I'll pick back up in a second video where we'll kind of finish up a few a few thoughts. This is a really long conversation, so obviously we're not going to get through the whole thing. There are just a couple key points like this that I wanted to bring out, and, and I think one of the main takeaways that I get from this first this first uh, little bit of conversation that we've listened to is that. Um, you're seeing already, uh, and this continues through the rest of the conversation, that he just doesn't really answer the objections I give. Um, and um, I'm, I want to be careful. Like, there's there's a verse. It's Proverbs. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Proverbs, Proverbs 18:2, where um, it says, uh, "Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight." and airing their own opinions. Or another translation, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to, uh, well, that's the same word. Uh, they only are interested uh, in expressing his opinion. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in airing his opinions, only in revealing his own mind, but only in expressing his own heart. So when and, and i gotta watch this myself you know i can walk in this too i'm not just accusing this guy of doing this although i do think he was walking in this you can you can hear it in this conversation some foolishness where he was not interested in hearing my objections and this is something that's really concerning especially if if you're in the church or if you're concerning joining this group like the fact that when you actually go to when I went to actually ask these members questions, like sincere concerns I had, sincere questions I had, when he would bring up an argument from the Bible and I saw holes in it and I said, well, what about this? What about that? He would never address it. He, he did not have interest in actually hearing my problems. He only had interest in sharing his own, his own ideas, what he believed was true. He only wanted to get that out and hope that he could somehow convince me to come to a Bible study. He didn't actually want to hear what I was saying. Um, and so, um, again, I know like I can walk in that at times too, but, but it is, it's what that is, I think is, is it's revealing about this group. It kind of reveals that, um, I can't whitewash every member and say that they would have responded this way. Cause I don't believe that's true, but in this conversation, what that told me and what that should tell others who encounter things like this, who encounter conversations like this is, is what that means is that there's really not solid evidence uh, underneath what they're saying to back it up. Because when you really start to peel the layers open, start to look at what they're saying, you find that it's empty. They don't have answers at the bottom of it to, to answer and explain the holes and the objections that you might point at them when you compare it to the rest of scripture. When you actually look at scripture and you see what it says, you and you compare it to what they're saying, you'll see that um, what they're saying doesn't hold water. It has issues. And what this guy showed me is that he was not interested in giving me a good, solid answer uh, for those issues, which in turn tells me that um, the World Mission Society Church of God doctrine is not something uh, that is very convincing. It's not something that really holds up well under um, scrutiny uh, biblically. So, um, if you've made it this far in the video, thank you for watching. Again, I'm gonna make, uh, I'll make a second part and we'll kind of finish up a couple more thoughts. Um, I really wanna get into that idea of uh, the different ages. We're gonna make, uh, hopefully, I think I'm gonna get Jesse back in and we're gonna start doing some videos covering again, like the, the Green Book, I think it's called. If it's not called that, you can tell me. Um, and we're gonna take argument by argument and probably make like, hopefully a little bit shorter videos just dealing with specific arguments that that if you're hearing these, if you're questioning these, if you're struggling and trying to figure out how do you answer these arguments, you can just have one video that kind of explains a good way to, to respond to these arguments. And so um, we're gonna do that. We're also, I'm still in talks with a couple different uh, former members. We're gonna do some interviews, uh, some more interviews, and hopefully this time we'll actually have good audio on like, uh, when we, we interviewed Jeremy in the past, you can go back and, and look at that video, but it, it was pretty rough. The audio was pretty rough. And um, yeah, we were, we have some ways that we're gonna uh, hopefully make it to where that won't be the case when we do future interviews. Um, uh, one more thing is that we do have a Patreon account. And, and what that is, is a way that we can be financially supported by uh, those of you who are watching. And um, 
if you don't ever want to give a cent, that's great. Like we don't, we're not doing this to get your money, but we are doing this to hopefully bless you guys and, and help you out. And so if if there's anything any of you feel led by the Lord in any way or compelled to, to uh, join us and partner with us, we feel like if you partner with us financially, you're giving that you are partners, you're helping us do what we do. Um, there are a lot of expenses uh, that, that come along with doing this stuff. And for the most part, we're, we've been doing all that out of pocket and again that's fine because we feel you know whether we we have uh, financial support doing this or not we're going to continue doing it it's, it's we're not doing it to try to make money but we want to give you guys the opportunity to share in this ministry to share and, and take part in doing it and um, and so there's a patreon account that we have for great light studios and so you can you can see that link in the description along with other links um, I want to say too we have a podcast form where there's just an audio only version of, of these videos. If you're just watching these videos on YouTube, you can find a Great Light Studios podcast where you can just go and listen to the audio. Um, some of you might be interested in doing that rather than um, watching in video form. And then for you watching or, or listening to the podcast form, um, I'll remind you again that there is a YouTube channel where you can see videos. Um, video versions of the podcast and so um yeah check our check out our channel um uh there, we got a lot of different videos sermons um and even short films uh our primary thing at great light studios the main thing we do actually is make films i i don't think i've ever said that in a video yet we we make films we just released a, a full-length documentary that tells the story of an ex-drug dealer um, who was just, his life was powerfully transformed by the gospel. And so um, I'll put a, a link for a trailer. We have like a two minute trailer um, that you can kind of see what that movie's about. But um, yeah, I think a lot of you would probably um, be blessed by watching that. So whether whether you're here just interested in the world, Mission Society, Church of God or not, we would encourage you to go watch that. Uh, my heart in that was just to speak into the issue of things like the unpardonable sin and like people who feel like they've sinned too much, they've gone too far for God's grace to be able to reach them. That was kind of one of my main things I wanted to get across. And so um, if, uh, yeah, I would just encourage you to check it out um regardless of what you're here watching this video for and so again i'll put a link for that in the description and and so yeah we uh, are looking forward to doing more videos in the future and, and thank you for watching <laughs>